1: We are the people of the Advent. We are living on the eve of the Advent of Jesus Christ.
0: That is Pastor Mike Loxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. As a reminder, you can tune in to the live worship service held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. You are most welcome to be our guest either online or in person. We will have more details on that as we continue with today's broadcast. The last time we were together, we brought you the first portion of the King of the North and the Final World Order. We will conclude that message here today, and remember you can find the entire message, if you missed any portion of it, online at reachingyourheart.com. Pastor Mike. I think
1: John Kennedy is one of my favorite presidents, not because of his personal life, but because he had the good sense to kind of steer the ship to avoid blowing up the world. Finally, communism fell in Europe. Now, that happened when I was at the seminary. And then in Daniel 1141, see, we're moving through Daniel 1140 here from 1798 down to our time. Then in Daniel 1141, the Bible describes the future attack. And this is what affects us. Upon faithful Christianity that came out of the captivity of Daniel 11.33, the Middle Ages. An attack upon the glorious land at the time of the end, when things got better for a while for Christians because the papacy had lost its power, because the church states that the Middle Ages could no longer destroy and kill people at the stake, because Bibles could be disseminated in the world. Friends, the papacy has marshaled its forces in Europe in the Middle Ages to defeat a Bible-believing Christianity. We have a Bible because the Lord Jesus Christ fought against the church of the Middle Ages, the church state system, to give us the scriptures for the last days. It attacked the Reformation with armies and burned at the stake those who would advance the Bible and the gospel for the people of Europe. It butchered Protestant Christians in the Inquisition with priests standing over them as they died in the agony of the flames to give us the scriptures. It sent its conquistadors with priests to the Americas to get the gold. And millions of Indians died right here in the New World as the hands of these priests and soldiers. But this new phase of the King of the North that occurs after 1798 that took its place in the rise of the United States and Western Allied power, the papacy doesn't possess that power anymore. It shifted. Just in Revelation 13, a lamb-like beast representing America comes out of the earth around the year 1798, a shift in global power. It shifted in verse 40 and defeated the evils of secular communism as the King of the South. Now, I'm not here trying to pick on anyone, but I'm going to be very frank with you. No Seventh-day Adventist has any business messing around with the philosophy of communism. Communism in the last hundred years has killed a hundred million people. It's incompatible with the first, the second, and the third angel's messages. It has been braced by modern revolutionary movements. And it uses the cloak of social justice to advance revolution. How do we know that? Because of the theology of liberation theology in inner America. We must be about uniting on the word of God, not uniting on some political agenda that somebody has in somewhere else. There's many things I like about the social justice movement. I care about justice. But you can't force justice. You bring Jesus to get the right kind of justice. The church is the place where people come together where racism is defeated. But I can't change the world by marching the streets and trying to do this or that. So it doesn't matter if you're on the left or the right. You see, the devil wants to entrap us at the time of the end. So we get messed up. And we're not focused on Bible truth. And we don't know the scriptures. This new phase of the King of the North that took its place in the rise of the United States and Western allied power at first in Daniel 1140 defeats communism and global secularism. It's transitioning the world to the era of nationalism. Friends, we saw in our lifetime the collapse of the Soviet Union. How many of you don't even remember the Soviet Union was, hardly? Millennials, Zs, they don't really understand what we went through as we were worried about, you know, our... Cities being bombed with nuclear weapons and so on. Until now, we saw in our lifetime the fall of the Berlin Wall. How many of you remember the fall of the Berlin Wall? Raise your hands high. Then the king of the north marshals its power in Daniel 11.41 to take God's people out at the time of the end. That's the next verse. We are living at the end of verse 40. Look at Daniel 11.41. Quickly move in your Bibles. He, the king of the north, shall come into the glorious land and many, or tens of thousands, shall fall, but these shall be delivered of his hand. Edom and Moab and the main part of the Ammonites. The term glorious occurs three times in Daniel 11. Daniel 11.16, Daniel 11.41, Daniel 11.45. Daniel 11.16, Daniel 11.41, it is the glorious land. In Daniel 11.45, it is the glorious holy mountain. That's it. The glorious land, Daniel 11.16, is Palestine, conquered at the time of Pompeii in the first century A.D., but after the cross in Daniel 11.22, the people of the covenant become the Christian church of the first century. The glorious land is where those Gothic kingdoms are celebrating Christ and keeping the Sabbath in the Western Empire. It's no longer geographical. It's spiritual. It represents where God is at in relationship to his people. And the captivity of the Middle Ages is the captivity of the Christian church. And thus the glorious land is offline in Daniel thirty three. In Daniel 1, the captivity started when Nebuchadnezzar stole God's people away from the sanctuary, which was the glorious land. They went to Babylon. So the church goes to Babylon in the Middle Ages. Where is the sanctuary for the Christian church after the cross when it was destroyed in 70 AD? Where is the glorious land when it's no longer Palestine? Turn to Hebrews 8.1. Very quick. Hebrews 8.1. Now the point Paul says in what we were saying is this. Now we're studying this in our Sabbath school. We have such what? A high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Now, verse 2. A minister where? In the sanctuary and the true tent, which God set up in our man. So, where is God's temple today, based on the book of Hebrews? After the cross, it's in heaven. Hebrews 12, 22. Quickly go to the end. But to you, but you have come to Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable angels and festal gathering. He goes on to say, To the judge who is God of all, and the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. That's what happens. We've come to Mount Zion. Christ is in the heavenly sanctuary in Mount Zion, and we worship there as Christians. After 1844, the end of the 23 year prophecy, the church that proclaims the second coming of Jesus has come to Mount Zion. The heavenly sanctuary is online again. It's come out of the captivity of the Middle Ages. It has come into a new relationship with Jesus Christ at the time of the end because of the Bible. The longest time prophecy in the Bible reaches to what year? It's 1844. It's that 2300-year prophecy. Verse 41 is post-1844 time. Daniel 8, 14. For 2,300 evenings and mornings then the sanctuary will be restored to its rightful state. This prophecy started in the autumn of 457 B.C. with the decree of Artaxerxes Longeminus recorded in Ezra 7, which was part of a single decree of God that combined the decrees of Cyrus, Darius, Estapis, and Artaxerxes Longeminus, in a single decree of God Almighty that culminated in the autumn of 457 B.C. It ends in the year 1844 when the kingdom of God returns at the time of the end. When Christ enters the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary to receive his kingdom from his Father, to usher world events, to bring about the coming of Christ, we are living in most holy place time ever since. After the cross, friend, the glorious land is not an earthly land anymore. The glorious land is a heavenly land, and God's people who worship in the heavenly sanctuary are part of the glorious land. The king of the north will attack the glorious land at the time of the end. Russia no longer represents communism. Some say, well, Russia's communism. Have you ever heard of Russia's communism? Russia is not communism anymore. If you just read Putin, Putin has renounced communism. He believes the revolution, the Bolshevik Revolution, was the most destructive forces in world history. Putin believes that he is a religious conservative Leader who will be the champion of the West to bring conservative ideals back to save it from the corrupt, crazy stuff of communism. He has promoted that, but he's a fascist. And so he represents, in some way, an extension of the king of the North. Putin believes that you have to bring a Christian ideal. Of course, he's for the Orthodox Christian-Russian component. And forget all the others. His religion can be imposed as well as others'. And so around the world, there are different forces like that. See, we are moving away from the nationalistic era of a divided world to what we call populism and the notion that you can unite around religion, language, and culture. And that is the new framework of the world that is unfolding our eyes. We don't know how it will coalesce, but the Bible says it will one day coalesce in a church-state fusion that pushes out that old king of the South. The Christian church was forced into the medieval captivity in the Middle Ages, Men and women took their eyes off of Jesus Christ, our great high priest, and the church was forced into church-day captivity into Rome. The papal mass corrupted the gospel, and people believed that Jesus' death was not good enough for them. In Daniel 11.41, the attack on the glorious land is an attack on a group of Christians who have come out of the medieval captivity at the time of the end, after the year 1844. Who do you think they are? What group of people have an understanding of the heavenly sanctuary? What group of people profess to keep all the commandments of God? Now I'm going to make a simple statement. The remnant church at the time of the end will be pro-life. It will not break the sixth commandment for politics. It will not. It will be pro-life. It will protect the life of every child because that's what the early church did. And what other commandment will it keep? The fourth commandment, which is the seventh-day Sabbath. And that's why God is waiting for us as a movement to repent and to get this thing right with God, because there will be a people at the time of the end who keep all of God's commandments, and they don't have fake revivals, they have real revivals, and they will honor the word of God, and the Bible and the Bible alone will be the test of our faith at the time of the end. I don't want to live, but some ethics committee tells me. I don't want to follow some smart theologian who's reinvented what's life. I want to follow the Bible. Those early Adventists were pro life, did you know that? They were not anything like what emerged in the seventies in our hospital systems. They believed in the Word of God, and they would have disfellowshipped a large hunk of people in certain places in our institutions today who have violated the very core principles of the Third Angel's message to come up with that stuff. God's people will keep the commandments of God and every precious person will matter. It is an attack on a group of Christians who turn their hearts to Jesus in the heavenly sanctuary. And Daniel says many fall. Because this church came out of the medieval captivity in the year 1844. It means that many in the remnant church, our church, will fall. There are two attacks in Daniel 11:40 40 to 45. The first is against the seventh-day Adventist church that arose after the year 1844. And that's the Mark of the Beast challenge. It will be a dramatic attack upon us. It will gut us. The persecutions of the Middle Ages will be followed by the future persecutions in America when faithful Christians in our country will give their lives for the truth. So the attack of the glorious land is an attack on the part of the church that has come out of the captivity of the medieval church state fusion of power. Now, in the book, Great Controversy 608, I highly recommend that chapter, chapter 38. She says, a large class of believers in our movement who profess faith in the third angel's message have not been sanctified by obedience to the truth. Then she says, men of pleasing address who have compromised the clear word of God for politics to align with the world will become our fiercest opposers. Friends, we have nothing to lean on. She says, there will be a people at the time of end who take this book as it reads and lives by its truth. I'm getting too old to worry about what someone says. I want to go home. I want Jesus to come. I want to see a reformation revival in this movement raised up by God that is for real and finishes our prophetic destiny at the time of the end. And friend, I've been in leadership in this church. I'm a pastor. I want reformation in my life. How many of you want reformation in your life? I want to live the word of God. I don't want to play foolish talk with people and convince them that being evil is good when it isn't. I want to see a people who are beautiful, who have the perfect robe because they have come to the cross of Christ. So the attack of the glorious land is an attack on that part of the church that's come out of the captivity of the Middle Ages. It's an attack upon the Seventh-day Adventist movement, the remnant church of the apocalypse in revelation. It represents the people at home with God in Bible truth. People who understand the Bible, who live it, who love it, who don't explain it away with crazy theories of theology so people don't believe that it has real fulfillment. It is the people who are caught in the middle of the religious conservative king of the north. You know, so don't make me go and argue in behalf of church and state stuff in our time. That's the king of the north. Or the irreligious liberal king of the south like communism and all the liberation theology movements. Those are the two poles at the time of the end. It's the people caught in the middle at the time of the end. It's no accident the king of the north invades the glorious land after 1798. Revelation 13, a lamb-like beast rises out of the earth after 1798. A Christian power. Our country was born out of a Christian constitution. Any theory that says that our country was evil in its rise to power violates Revelation 13. It says it arose as a Christian lamb-like power.
0: We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Tanko in just a moment. So please stay tuned. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend a live service in a streaming format at that website. reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Tanko in today's Reaching Your Heart. We
1: must be informed by the scriptures, not by our notions of history or our reinventions of history. It arose as a land-like Christian power. But then in time it says it speaks like a dragon. There's only one place in the Revelation where the devil speaks as a dragon and that's when he accuses the people of God. And the Bible predicts that Christian America will one day move to persecute the remnant church. It will persecute those who keep the commandments of God in the faith of Jesus. Dan eleven forty one. he comes to the glorious land. Now look at this. And tens of thousands shall fall, but these shall be delivered out of his hand. What are the three groups? Edom, second group. Moab and the first of the sons of Ammon, literally in Hebrew. In the Old Testament, Edom and Moab and Ammon were countries that were hostile to Israel, but nations who were directly connected to the glorious land. In Daniel 11, they represent Christians who have not fully come to the truth of Jesus' work in the heavenly sanctuary. They're close, but they're not there yet. They're spared in this first attack. Our movement is not. Our movement is decimated in that first attack, but they're spared. I interact with godly Christians who don't know the Sabbath, godly Christians who don't know Daniel Revelation, but they're godly Christians. And those people need the truth that we possess as a people. They are close to the truth, but they are still not in the glorious land. They're Christians with truth, but they don't understand 1844. They don't understand the sanctuary message. They don't understand the appearance of the remnant at the time of the end. Eden was the brother of Jacob. That's how close he was. Moab and Ammon came from Lot, who was related to Abraham. They live close to the promised land, but they didn't live in the promised land. And Daniel, these Christian groups that live close to the Advent truth, the sanctuary truth, they're spared in that first onslaught. And so what happens here is that the king of the north consolidates his power. Look at verse 42. He, the king of the north, shall stretch out his hand against the countries. The land of Egypt shall not escape. You see, secularism is on its way out. This country will shift toward religious oppression, and so will the whole world. He shall become ruler of the treasures of gold and silver. Putin tried to do his stuff and was the first thing the United States did. We shut down all this economic activity. We can now control the arteries of money through electronics for the world. He shall become ruler of the treasures of gold and silver. and the mark of the beast, no man can buy or sell. It says in all the precious things of Egypt, there's not one part of the secular, atheistic, post-communist world that will not come under the power of the new fusion of the king of the north. And the Libyans and the Ethiopians shall follow his train. Those are the southern extremities of the king of the south. Nothing will be left of the king of the south that will be absorbed in this massive church-state fusion at the time of the end. Daniel predicts that every extremity of the old order will disappear. Friends, Revelation 13, the Bible says, No man can buy or sell unless he has the mark of the beast. I've watched what's happened in this COVID crisis, and I've come to see that we as Seventh-day Adventists are too quick to surrender our freedoms when we're afraid. It's a fearful thing to have observed. We must be standing for freedom instead of coalescing with people who take it away. God would have a generation of young Adventist leaders in this church who will bring us back to the Bible. You have a Bible in your hand. Who will lift this book up and say, by this we live, by this we die. Because Jesus is in this book. Who will value the spirit of prophecy. Let's look at Daniel eleven forty four. 44. But tidings from the east and the north shall alarm him, the king of the north. He will go forth with great fury to exterminate, and not only destroy many. That's the second attack in Daniel eleven forty. That's the group that survived. That's the Christian world that's larger than us as a movement. When they catch the message of the first, the second, the third angel's message, the tidings of the true King of the North, who is God Almighty, the tidings from the east as lightning shines from the east to the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. As the Advent message hits the evangelical world with prophetic power, the King of the North will be horrified by that. And he'll move forth with great fury to exterminate that religious movement. And that will bring us to the final crisis on the face of planet Earth. Because, friends, at that point in time, there'll be no place left to go. We will either go to heaven or we will go down and die. It is the final crisis. It is Earth's darkest hour. There shall be, in different lands, a simultaneous movement for the destruction of God's people, according to Daniel 11.45. The king of the north will marshal his global forces to remove the Sabbath-keeping, commandment-keeping, Christ-centered people and the message they possess from the earth. And it will look as in a single night that evil will conquer, that the new world order will be established upon the deaths of those who are killed and slaughtered for the sacrifice to the future. Look at Daniel 12.1. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people, the man in linen. At that time shall rise Michael, the great prince, who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never been since it was a nation of the time. And at that time, your people will be delivered. Now, how many of you want to be delivered at the time of the end? I want to be delivered. Look what it says. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book, the Lamb's Book of Life. Your connection to Jesus, to the man in linen, is your ticket out of here. We won't get to heaven. We won't make it through the time of the end based on our church affiliation. I'm a committed Seventh-day Adventist Christian. I believe in our prophetic message. I'm not apologetic for it. But dear heart, I don't look to anybody but the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. When a person, a man or woman of God agrees with these two things, I'm with them. When they don't, I'm not with them. Because I want to go home and I want to see our church and us locally, and our world church rise at the time of the end. God's people are trapped between the sea and the glorious holy mountain in Daniel 11.45. There's no place to go. On the banks of the great river, Daniel looked up and he saw the man in linen. We will look up on that last day as the river flows to the end of days. There's no place left to go. We have fled to the holy mountain of God. We have gone to the sanctuary as our place of protection. We will look up And we will see the man in linen coming in the clouds of heaven and he'll have the linen on. And we'll realize that Christ, our righteousness, is a right to the future. And Jesus will save those whose names are found written in the book. Dear heart, Jesus is the man in linen who watches over you. Don't align with the conservative king of the north or the liberal king of the south in your life. You know, some people say, well, I'm conservative if I'm a good Christian. No, that doesn't mean you're a good anything. Some people say, well, I'm liberal, I'm a good Christian. It doesn't mean you're a good anything. How about just being a Christian and leaving those terms out of your vocabulary? Is that a good thing to do? Why does the church have to use that kind of language? We're Christ people in the church, and thus we are to live for Jesus. Friends, Jesus watches over you. He is the man in linen. His robe is good enough for the judgment day and every day of your life. And don't forget... Jesus is coming again to save us. God bless you. Father, it could be that someone is here who feels in their life that it's out of control and they can't put it together and they need Jesus. If you know you need Jesus, you want the deliverer of the man in linen, raise your hand to heaven right now. Lord, you see the hands going up. And there are others, Father, who have never been baptized into Christ who need the white robe? who need to be baptized soon. And Lord, they can come and reach out to me and work with them. But if you're that person, you raise your hand, whether you're online or not, raise your hand so heaven sees it. And you reach out to me. Lord, help them to reach out to me and our leadership here so we can help them get baptized. They need their baptism. And Father, we don't know how long time will last, but help us not to be sellouts. Just do things to get along. Take the politician out of our DNA so we live for Christ, the Word of God, and we love people and we're true to the Scriptures and take us home. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.
0: Well, that will conclude the message entitled The King of the North and the Final World Order. You can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com and thank you so much for listening today. We would really love it if you would join us for our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock and Wednesday at 7.30 p.m., either online or in person. If you would like to join us in person, that address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707.